All right, we're in chapter 18 of Exodus. Chapter 17 ended with Israel's victory over Amalek. Uh, But during the battle, a curious thing happened. When Moses lifted his arms, Israel would prevail. Uh, And when he grew weary and let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. And uh, when Aaron and Hur assisted Moses... With their help, Moses was able to keep his hands lifted up, and Israel defeated Amalek. Moses needed help. Moses needed help. And so often it is with us. So often it is with us. Our hands get weary, too heavy to lift up. And like Moses, we need help. And we'll see as we proceed to this chapter. This is an important point. We're going to dwell on it. I could have titled this study... uh, Everybody needs a little help sometimes. Or I could have called it, I get by with a little help from my friends. I don't know. I, I'm not big on titling studies. I have a hard time titling songs. Uh, usually the first verse becomes the title. Anyway, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses. And for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, I am coming to you with your wife and her two sons and her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know the Lord is greater than all the gods, for the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that had done for all he did for the people, he said, What is this thing you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit? And all the people stand before you from morning until evening. 
And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both of you, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and so God commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. <laughs> then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Pretty cool. I love this. I, uh, Tony asked us a lot of times what, uh, what studies we might want to teach, and I didn't even think about it, but I wanted to teach verse 2. And in verse uh, ch chapter 2, and in chapter 2, uh, uh, Moses has just killed the Egyptian and has skedaddled. He took off, and he ends up at Midian's, in Midian, and he goes to uh, Jethro's house. And now here Jethro comes back in. It's the 18th chapter. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, father heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel and his people that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. First verse. So the news of Israel's deliverance from the opposition of Pharaoh in Egypt has obviously re reached Midian uh, and Jethro. Given the fact that there was no internet, no telephone, uh, and a considerable distance from where they began in Egypt to where Jethro was in Midian, some time must have passed between these events. This wasn't like today's age. Whereas an instant sharing of information. They have a tsunami in Japan and we watch it in real time here. It's crazy. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's good either. Uh, by considerable distance, I mean a, a hundred plus miles or so uh, from Midian to where he was in Ruffenden. Uh, it's about like uh, walking from Magic Mountain to Disneyland and back again. Okay? And that's, that's a haul. Uh, verse 2, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, to Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. Verse 3, 4, and 5. 
with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. The name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped in the mountains of God. Verse 6. Now when he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law, am coming to you with your wife and two sons and with her, apparently Moses might have sent his wife and his kids back to Midian. Uh, And this is why Jethro is coming with the kids again. Maybe because of the plagues, but that's speculation. We don't know. But we know from Scripture that he is coming with his wife and his two kids. So that we do know. We don't know exactly why. In verse 7, we read that, So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, kissed him, and they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent. Uh, Notice that Moses bowed before Jethro. The bowing before Jethro and the kissing of his father-in-law showed a deep respect and affection. Okay, It should be remembered that although Moses was raised in the royal courts of Egypt uh, and privy to the best education that money could buy at that time, uh, it was an advanced society, uh, he was nursed by his birth mother, a Hebrew, and imbued with a national heritage. So even though Moses had this incredible like college education, uh, he still, in his heart, was a Hebrew. Uh, From Jethro, it can be concluded that Moses received his spiritual education as Jethro was the priest of Midian. Uh, And this is huge. This is really huge. Moses had been schooled in the arts and sciences. He was a general, I I read at one point, in the Egyptian army and had defeated the Ethiopians in battle. Uh, some felt he was heir to the throne. Some felt, uh, some even speculate that he was being groomed to be the next pharaoh. Uh, but his real education, the education that would serve him in his ministry, was given in Jethro's house. That's where he got the real schooling. A lot of book learning will teach you a lot, but like X says, get an education and get over it, you know. Uh, among us here, there, there are many of those who have gone to college and received the benefits of so-called higher education. I feel it's the education we receive right here in this church, uh, right here in our daddy's house, that really matters. Uh, such is the case with Moses. Educated in Egypt, he received his true higher education uh, from Jethro, the priest of Midian. The affection and reverence that he had for Jethro is easy, really easy to understand. Uh, when I did the previous study in chapter 2, I asked myself, who's Jethro? Who is this guy? Uh, he's the priest of Midian, but it didn't really uh, give me any uh, information as to what God did he serve? Who was he the priest of? You know, who, who, was his, uh, who was his boss, so to speak? And I'm going to read you the last chapter of what I came up with in, in a place called, in a, a section called Wikinut. It is now clear that Jethro was the priest of the deity El, whose name was isolated, a new name taken up as Yahweh by Moses. Jethro is not a pagan priest, but the priest of the deity whose ancestors of Moses worshipped. 
This patron deity is now revealed to Moses as Yahweh. He is who he is, he is who he was, and he is who he is to be. This solves the problem of the patriarch to worship their God in different names with the prefix El. For example, El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Roy, amplified with the new name Yahweh, who exercised his greatness in the might and work of Exodus. Jethro is the priest of Yahweh, who is the God of the universe. This is truly important because Moses served in Jethro's household. He, he tended his flocks. He worked for him. He married one of his daughters. And Jethro, it turns out, was a solid guy. He wasn't a... a I, I was worried when I first saw he went to, to Jethro's household. I thought, oh, my goodness, maybe Jethro is some kind of you know, witch doctor or something. But it didn't turn out that way. So he, Moses told his father-in-law, verse 8, all that uh, the Lord had done to Pharaoh and, and to the Egyptian for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. I mean, a lot had gone on, you remember. From the time they left, you know, while they were still in Israel or in uh, Egypt, we had the ten plagues. The waters turned to blood. There were frogs, lice, uh, flies, diseases in livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and then, you know, the tragic death of the firstborn. The Pharaoh hardened his heart. He wasn't going for it. And they went through all that. And then difficulties uh, in Exodus 5.21, your demands to Pharaoh made us a stench to him, demanding bricks without supplying straw. There was a fear of punishment they went through. Uh, you brought us here to die in the wilderness. They were feared of dying in battle in uh, chapter 14. In 15.24, grumbling, water is bitter at Mara. What shall we drink? Their fear of dying of thirst. In 16, grumbling, we'll starve to death. They recalled the pots of meat in in Egypt. uh, Fear of dying of starvation. And then in uh, Rephidim, uh, uh, he strikes the rock at God's command. There was a fear of dying of thirst. These people were fearful. They were fearful a lot. They were worried a lot. Uh, But they had gone through the parting of the Red Sea, and the battle against the Amalekites, which they won, because Moses had a little help. Uh, so they had gone through a bunch, and he shares this with, uh, with Jethro. I love that name, by the way. Jethro, that's a cool name. I, I would have dug it if my mom would have called me Jethro. You know? There are times when our grumbling and complaining are misdirected. Okay, The people who were in Moses' face uh, they were in his face, but he wasn't in charge. Uh, true, he spoke for God, but God is sovereign. God was in charge. And uh, so far, often our positions dictate our responses, even if they don't reflect who we appear to be. What I mean by that is uh, one of my uh, fellow foremen where I used to work, he, every once in a while you had to make a decision that was hard on people, maybe to let them, let, let them go for the day or something or Cut, you had to cut the crew by 20 and you start picking out people. And he would always tell them, it's not me, it's my position that makes this decision. You know, it's not, I, I love you, but I'm sorry, you're going home. You know, and they didn't like that. Uh, 
Sometimes leaders gather criticism to themselves without realizing that's really the Lord the people are criticizing. Both Moses and later on we're going to see Samuel also uh, had to learn this simple leadership lesson. Uh, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about God. Whenever we serve, we've got to remember this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It always is about God. It's got to be that way. Here's a couple of examples. This is the Lord talking to Samuel. When they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you, it's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. What Moses ended up having to say to the people was, the Lord has heard your grumbling against, against him. But who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. A lot of times you think about it in our own circumstance, our own situations. You know, we're, you know, you know, I'm going, you know, my, my back hurts. Why me, Lord? Like X says, why not you? You know, well, I can pick one of the other guys out. Hector. <laughs> we should do it to Hector. No. But, you know, it, and it's an important point we have to take to heart. When somebody rejects your witness, it isn't you they're rejecting. It's God. When you invite someone to church and they blow you off, it's not you they're denying. It's God. Uh, such is not the case with Jethro, though. Jethro, it would appear, has no problem giving credit where credit is due. Verses 9 through 11. Then Jethro re rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know the Lord is greater than all the gods, for the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. Our God is mighty, and there's no one, no thing that can compare. This is the same God we worship. It's the same God. It's not the God of Moses, and now we've got a new God. This is God. God is eternal. Uh, the power and wealth of the Egyptians was worthless. It was nothing. The army that was so invincible was laid to waste in the Red Sea. The arrogance that, that could not be shaken because the Pharaoh was proud uh, was laid low. And as Jethro said, he was above them. God had chosen Israel, and there was no, no denying him. Uh, you got, I'm sure everybody's seen Rudy, the movie. Remember the, the movie Rudy? And the, the Rudy's talking to an old priest in the movie, and, and the old priest says, well, he says, one thing I've learned in 30 years of being a priest, he goes, God's in charge, and I, I'm not him, you know. And that's, that's what it boils down to. God's in charge, and we're not him. And quite frankly, that gives me great comfort. I couldn't handle the gig. Uh, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, verse 12, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Two things I noticed here. The first is that Jethro is actively giving thanks. How often in our lives have we 
offered up prayers to God and asked for this or that and uh, and see the hand of God work but fail to give him thanks. Uh, Jethro doesn't have that failing. He sacrifices to the Lord, even though he wasn't there personally involved in all this, but he just saw that the Lord deserved sacrifices. The Lord deserved thanks for what he had done for his son-in-law. Uh, and he acknowledges the greatness of God and his omnipotence. Uh, he is sharing in Moses' joy. Sometimes we should do that with one another. Uh, I've, I've, had, I've had dear brothers sharing my joy when things have gone right for me. And it's cool when somebody shares in your joy. We share in each other's grief, too. Uh, Jethro's position has to be highly regarded. He was, he was a man of substance. He really was a priest. He was a holy guy, uh, a godly man, uh, because Aaron and the, the elders of uh, Israel came to celebrate with him. So he was respected. He was given respect in that regard. Verse 13. Here we get to it now. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. People stood before Moses from morning until evening. That's a long work shift. The population of Israel by now probably exceeded a couple million. Uh, With such a large population, there were bound to be disputes, and it would appear at this time... There was only one judge in all of Israel, and that was Moses. It's no wonder that he sat from morning until evening. Also consider the character of these people. Remember back in those, in those other chapters? Uh, they were complainers of the highest order. Uh, they complained about food and water. They didn't hesitate to complain to Moses directly. Uh, in 14, 16, and 17, they did. We should remember that this population... They weren't ever shy about voicing their complaints. Uh, and, and they were, they were uh, quite adamant about it. And they, call, they, always, they weren't afraid to call the ambulance. Uh, they called all the time. You know, 911, 911. Uh, and they would go on to be described as a stiff-necked people. Uh, these are the people that Moses judged. This is not an easy job. Uh, these people are tough. These people are tough. Today they're tough. Johnny's been to Israel a couple of times. I was walking down the street in Israel, and I saw a family walking along, and guys pushing a shopping cart, uh, a yarmulke, shorts on, T-shirt, wife's pushing a baby buggy, shopping cart's full of uh, groceries. They're heading home, obviously. A couple of kids are running around with them. Typical family, except he had an AK-47 strapped to his back. You know, and I went, whoa, you know, what's that all about? And our tour guide says, oh, he's in the Army. When you're in the Army, you always got your, uh, your weapon with you. You never, le- you never go anywhere without your weapon. I mean, it's, you go home, you sleep with it, it's there. And they're a tough people. Our tour guide even indicated, he says, when we go to war, and he said it just about like that. It wasn't if we go to war. It's when we go to war, uh, Amir, uh, he says, I'm fully prepared. He goes to lose my life. And this is what blew my mind. He goes, I'm also fully prepared to lose my wife and children because they aren't insulated by oceans like we are. They're, it's right there. They're, all their enemies are right on the border. So these people are tough, and these are the kind of people that Moses is trying to judge. These people are hardcore. In verse 14, 
So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand before you from morning until evening. That makes going to the DMV like nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys waited all day long to talk to Moses. And Jethro asked Moses two questions. And they, they can almost be paraphrased as saying, are you nuts? Or what are you thinking? Jethro was amazed at what he saw Moses attempting to do. In ministry, this is a true story, in ministry, in our zeal to serve, we can try to do more than we're capable of. And while we strive to give our best to the Lord, when we try to give him more than we've got, we give less a lot of times, not more. We give less. Uh, does it make sense to you? you know? Jethro was able to see the issue. But Moses, because of, maybe because of his involvement, was not able to see the forest for the trees. Anybody ever been someplace where you can't see the forest for the trees? You could walk 100 yards into the forest and you would not be able to tell which way you were going because the trees are right there. It's like uh, in Seattle, up in that area, in the Pacific Northwest, it's like that. Uh, I'm not exactly blaming Moses or even really finding any kind of great fault in him. This probably snuck up on him. Uh, and he, he did his best to represent God to the people. And Moses answers Jethro's question in verse 15 and says, And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to inquire of God, uh, when they have a difficulty, in voice, verse 16, they come to me and I judge between one and other. I make known the statutes of God and his laws. Uh, Remember, God was speaking to Moses. Moses was getting direct instruction from God. Uh, he was obviously the go-to guy. He was the only go-to guy. But notice, they did not just want judgment. They were inquiring of God. Uh, they were not asking Moses for his opinion, but they were asking Moses, what does God say? What is God saying about this? Uh, and I, but there's great compassion at work here, too. Remember what Moses did in, in Exodus 2, 11 and 12. You know, he saw a couple of, uh, of his brethren being uh, uh, set upon by an Egyptian overseer. And he killed the guy. I mean, this is a passionate man. You don't just, you know, oh, by the way, you know. And he buried him. <laughs> and then he took off. He went, oh, my goodness. Uh, and it was actually this act that began this whole ministry. Killing that Egyptian started this whole thing. The compassion for those two Hebrews that he saw being set upon. Uh, started this whole thing. And so uh, it's still, uh, it occurred to me when I read this verse, how much better it would be if we could have the same mindset of inquiring of God to try to settle our disputes that way. Uh, the old cliche, what would Jesus do? It's a good cliche. Uh, it would eliminate a lot of conflict. It would eliminate a lot of conflict. Uh, uh, we had a, an across the street neighbor. I got I got this bell on my porch, this wind chime kind of thing. Uh, 10:30 at night, this lady rings my doorbell. And, what you know? And she doesn't introduce herself or nothing. She tells me that she sleeps with her window open, and my bell's keeping her awake. And we got to stop it, you know. And you know, my first inclination was, what you know? What are you bothering me for? You know, Debbie's ready to go after her, you know. 
And, and I'm just going, you know, she, Debbie said something to her. She goes, I'm not talking to you. I go, yeah, you are. She's my wife, you know. And it just became an issue. And, you know, finally we settled down a little bit, and the bell's still ringing out there in the wind. And, and I'm thinking, I'm not turning that thing off. Heck with her. You know, I told her, why don't you sleep with your window closed? You know, it's your problem. And I thought to myself, what would Jesus do? You know, what would Jesus do? I think Jesus would have would have stopped up the bell. I think he would have been compassionate, tried to be a good neighbor. And uh, and so we did. I had talked Debbie out of leaving it. <laughs> she, she actually plugged it up so it wouldn't make any noise. But before she did, she went, ding, 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 ding. You know? Was, <laughs> she goes, I rang it real good before I stopped it. You know? I don't know if Jesus would have done that, but... Uh, Modern law. Modern law is written in such a way that only lawyers can understand the law. And when we get close to understanding it, uh, they write more laws so we can't understand it. But, and this is an unusual thing. This is not unusual. By the time Jesus came around, the scribes and Pharisees had com- complicated the law to the point that there were over 600 laws the Jews had to abide by. And I'll tell you what, the Ten Commandments are enough for me. I work on those. Uh, it's good to recall that Moses had a heart for his people and reverence for God. He wanted to do the right thing for the people. Moses was all about reverence and love. And to me, all our ministries, I don't care if you're in the prayer ministry, the worship ministry, uh, I don't care if you, if you fix the tapes or you do media, it's all the same. Uh, the, these things have to fuel our ministries. These are our motives. Uh, that X loves God and his word should be obvious to all of us. I think it is. Uh, that he loves us is also obvious. He's always had time for me. He's always inquired as to my you know, condition. Uh, and this example sets the tone for Calvary Chapel Pasadena and all its ministries. We're blessed. We're blessed to be a part of this church. This is an awesome church. And it's, it's the reverence for God and the love for one another that fuels the ministries of this church and makes this church happen. Uh, So in verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. And Proverbs 25, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Uh, Now as the priest of Midian, I'm reasonably sure that Jethro did not say to Moses, are you nuts? Yeah, um, he probably didn't say, what are you thinking? He said, the thing that you do is not good. It's more grave. It's more serious. It, I mean, he recognized that there was a genuine problem here. This wasn't your average everyday problem. Uh, in verse 18, he tells them, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Uh Notice Jethro observes and has a heart for both Moses. It's not just his son-in-law, but the people. He said, you'll surely wear yourselves out. There's no mincing of words here. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Bad for Moses, bad for the people. Situation was exhausting for both Moses and the people. Waiting must seem like an endless line. Can you imagine one guy in this entire nation waiting to talk to one judge to try to settle their disputes. I mean, that would drive you nuts in itself. Uh, 
where everybody else. So Jethro tells it like it is. Verse 19. Now listen to my voice. I will give you counsel. And God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. There are times when the most capable of people get too caught up in the work they're engaged in. It happens to everybody. Many times it's not one bad decision that causes trouble, but a series of seemingly inconsequential decisions that pile up on us. And I'm pretty sure that's probably the case of what happened with Moses. I don't think Moses uh, just made a whole bunch of bad decisions. I think it just kind of caught up with him bit by bit by bit as the nation grew, as they traveled, as they had trouble with water, as they had trouble with food, as they had trouble with one another. And you know they're going to have trouble with one another. Uh, uh, they've been on the road for a while. They've grown in number. So what may have been doable in the beginning had become too much now. And Jethro saw what Moses, perhaps because of his involvement, was unable to see. Moses couldn't see this. He, couldn't, uh, he didn't uh, get it. He didn't see what was going on, but Jethro did. Uh, the first thing that Jethro assures Moses that the counsel he would provide is sound because he explains, God will be with you. God will be with you. And also notice that Jethro acknowledges God as the arbiter. Though throughout this circumstance, God is the center. Got to notice this. It's really not about Moses. It's not about Jethro. It's not about us when we serve. It's about God. It's about God. That's what it's about. Uh, Moses will be able to bring these difficulties to God, but God does the work. Remember, they're inquiring unto God. Reflect for a moment that God could have just spoken to Moses. He could have given him a divine revelation. He didn't need to use Jethro. Uh, God had an intimate relationship with Moses. Uh, and so why didn't he just talk to him directly? But in using Moses, Moses has got to be willing to accept uh, the advice of Jethro. He's got to be able to take advice uh, and thereby humble himself to be to his father-in-law's observation of wisdom. And this is important as it reveals a bit of Moses' character. Advice is not easy to take. Advice is hard to take. A lot of us have a hard time with that. For some, it's impossible. Moses was willing to listen, which is a tribute both to his character and to his respect for Jethro. He respected Jethro. Ah. In our own lives, I always wonder, haven't you ever said, why didn't I listen, you know, to my dad, to my mom, and to, to my wife, you know? I told you to turn left, you know? Oh. you know? And you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong, and now you've got to bear the consequence of your wrong. You've got to bear the consequence of it. Uh, it's usually pride that shuts the door on good advice. It's usually pride. X says that uh, pride is the root of sin nature. I'd agree. Verse 20. Uh, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, rulers of tens. 
In these two verses, I think you got the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Uh, this is Jethro's counsel. The first is education and instruction. They've got to be taught. You can't just put people in charge. They've got to be able. Uh, as we sit under, listen to this, as we sit under X and read our Bibles, we come to men's studies uh, and attend home Bible studies, as we fellowship with each other and we talk about the Word and we, we share the Word with each other, our own understandings of the Word, uh, and as we serve God in so many different ways, we're being trained. We're being trained. That's what's going on. Uh, training comes in a whole lot of different forms and a whole lot of different levels. And I have no doubt, and I say this with all my heart, I have no doubt there's not a man in this room that could not stand where I'm standing and teach God's word. If we could use Balaam's jackass, if we could use this human jackass, I know we could use you, you know. I know he can use you. Uh, we're all a work in progress, every one of us. Every one of us is a work in progress. Nobody's where they're going to be, not yet. Uh, but we're making, what, is, what did uh, uh, Chuck, Pastor Chuck said? If you're standing still, you're backsliding. You know, this is, I don't care if you're inching forward. If you're just inching forward, you're, you're making progress. You're going in the right direction. But the minute you're standing still, you're, you're, that's the first step to sliding backwards. Uh, God can use any of us according to his good pleasure, rejoicing us. <laughs> one, time, one time I was given an assignment, and I thought it was so far beyond me, I was absolutely freaking out. Luis <laughs> Rocha, he's got this big smile on his face, and he goes, ain't it cool when God stretches you? <laughs> And I'm going, no, it's not. You know, but he was right. It is cool when God stretches you. The training's got to be complete. And you'll teach them statutes and laws and show them the way they must walk and the work they must do. Pride can, can mess you up. Uh, I was a foreman at the job that I did. And one day they had foreman training. And most of us had been in the business like 20 years. And, you know, we all thought we knew what we were doing. And so they had us do a little exercise where they said, here's the task, and here's your worker, and I'll tell them what to do. And assume they didn't know nothing. And we all blew it. We were all leaving out things. And, and if I did that with a rookie, I would say, no, 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 you did that wrong. Or you didn't, you know, but it was really my fault because I didn't teach them right. I didn't train them right. I didn't, I didn't instruct them properly. And I started realizing that as I went back out on the floor as a foreman. I started realizing the set of trade shows is what I did. Uh, so it's give good orders, garbage in, garbage out. Verse 21, Moses instructed the type of man he should choose. You shall select from all the people. You've got a big uh, pool here. Able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and, and such... And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, rulers of tens. Anybody remember one time when Jesus fed the multitude? He had them sit down in groups of fifty. We serve an orderly God. God's not a. a it's, we're not. We don't serve a scattered God. We're scattered a lot of times, but God's not. Uh, in Acts, uh, Acts six, verse one. Therefore, brethren, seek out. Where's the love? 
therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business, for we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's it. Pick good guys. Sometimes there's too much to do. Sometimes just too much. And you've got to delegate. And such is the case in both the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, God help us if we pick the wrong guy for the job. I've, I've done it. I've gone, oh, my God. You know, the guy looked good. He dressed nice. You know, sometimes you can't judge a book by the cover. Uh, here again in Exodus, later in Acts, the type of man picked for the task is huge. Uh, once again, once again, I'll give you one more. In Timothy, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not giving to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle and not quarrelsome, not covetousness, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For a man, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest he being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-minded, not given to too much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith which with a pure conscience. We wouldn't find this repeated in the Bible if God didn't know it was important. That was uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I can't read the... But it's in there. I think it's... I think that's it. When Jesus chose his disciples, he knew who he was choosing and why. And here Jethro has been instructed, is instructed to Moses to be careful in the selection of his delegates. Moreover, in verse 22, he gives them order and structure. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be in every great matter that they shall bring to you. But every small matter they themselves shall, shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. You got to share. You got to share sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the thing, we want to do it all. We want to do it all. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's just you don't trust anybody else. When I was in Vietnam, we used to, uh, we had a helicopter pad, and uh, I, I left just before the first major Tet offensive, and the Viet Cong were getting a little itchy, and so we were getting a lot of mass casualties. They were coming in, you know, choppers were coming in and leaving, coming in and leaving. And you, when, they, when that started happening, they rang a bell, and it didn't matter if you were drunk, crippled, or crazy. You just went down to the helicopter pad, and you did something. And you just went down the line. You picked a wound that you thought you could handle. Uh, you picked something. And uh, there was always somebody overseeing you, watching over you to make sure, well, maybe that's too much for you or assisting you. But we, we divvied the work up. We divvied the work up. Everybody went down. I didn't care who you were. I don't care if you had 10 beers that night. You staggered down and you found something that you could handle. And uh, this situation is the same. Every great matter they're going to bring to you. The doctors took care of the big stuff. There were things that I saw, obviously, I couldn't take care of. 
Things that I could handle, I handled. And it was like that for all of us. And it's like that here for Moses. He's telling them, he says, you take care of the big stuff, let them take care of the little stuff. And uh, it will be easier for you, he tells them, for they will bear the burden with you. Uh, You've got to be able to delegate. It's a sign of leadership. A good leader never abandons authority and oversight in delegating. I always had somebody over me. I knew that. But I was delegated to do what I could do. Uh, the weightier decisions were still left to Moses, but the easier case, cases were left to capable men. In all this, everyone re- represented Yahweh. They were appointed by God to render judgment according to God. With good men helping him, Moses could be sure that God was properly represented and the people were being properly ministered to. Verse 23, If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. Once again, Jethro defers to God, telling Moses, if you do this thing, and then adding, and God so commands you, leaving it the way I read it, the command's in God's hands. It's not do what I say. It's what God, God's telling you to do this. You will be able to endure. In other words, you can handle this. You can do this. And sometimes when you hear that from God, it's the best thing in the world you can hear. I'm still uh, working through a back surgery. And... God's been telling me lately, you can do this. You can handle this. I'm starting to realize it. He's convincing me bit by bit. Uh, There are two blessings here, not just one. Uh, One is Moses will be successful. That's one blessing. It's huge. And there's another one. The people are going to find peace. The people are going to find peace. Uh, Verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Something we should be able to, uh, to do, if you want to serve the Lord, you've got to be fat. I got that from Ralphie. Uh, you've got to be faithful, available, and teachable. That's what you've got to be if you want to serve. You've got to be fat. I qualify. <laughs> uh, Moses, from the beginning, was a special man. From the time his mom put him in that little boat and sailed him down the river, uh, God selected this man to lead his chosen people. He picked a winner. Some might say, well, what do you expect? He's God, you know? Yeah, he picked a winner. But Jesus led by example. Moses led by example. And we should lead by example. Uh, Moses was given instruction what kind of man he was to select and how he should instruct them and how they should be organized. In humility, blessed by wisdom, Moses accepted Jethro's advice. Moses was fat. He was faithful, available, and teachable. Verse 25. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. Our God's a God of infinite wisdom and order. He's also kind and benevolent. What a great blessing is bestowed on both Moses and his people, and his people. Enlightening Moses' burden, he's lessened the people's anxieties. The people are not sweating that long line anymore. Uh, They know that they're going to be taken care of, that able men are going to judge them. Uh, 
by delegating by thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, there's an order that makes for a manageable representation of God. Like Exodus told us many times, our God is a God of order. Our God's not all scattered. Uh, Also, it points out that this isn't about Moses or Jethro. It's all about God. It's always about God, then and now, then and now. It's always about God. Sometimes we read a lot of this stuff and we think that was then and this is now. It's it's all about God. It's uh, D.L. Moody, so I like this. It is better to set a hundred men to work than do the work of a hundred men. <laughs> that's that's what Moses was trying to do. Verse twenty six. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. As Jethro had suggested, Moses had implemented, and there was order in the land. Verse twenty seven, the last verse. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his own way to his own land. Jethro, the peace of Midian, returns to his land, to his people, and to his own ministry. Uh, The impact he made on Moses and the people of God will get them past this point in their history. Jethro's journey was long and wasn't easy, but it was with a purpose. There was a reason that Jethro did this, and it became clear as we went through this chapter. The focus from the beginning was always about God, There was love, respect, and great affection between Moses and Jethro. The day after his arrival, Jethro saw the impossible task that Moses was faced with. Jethro provided Moses with wise counsel. And just as important, Moses heeded Jethro's advice. He listened to him. Uh, He didn't let his pride get in the way. And God provided order, and in that order, a large measure of peace for both Moses and his people. Here it is, guys. Sometimes we've got to go the distance. Sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zones. We need to remember that it's always, always about God. In humility, we have to humble ourselves and use the resources that God provided us and not try to labor on in our own strength, which often can open us up to failure. We must be fat. If we do it our way, we may or may not succeed. If we do it God's way, we will succeed. That's the way it is. Daryl, you want to finish with a song? Do another one? We'll close in worship. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in Jesus' name, and I am grateful, Lord, for your love, your grace, your mercy. And I ask you to please bless us now. The word, I pray it penetrates our hearts. I pray we live your word, not just, uh, not just read it not memorize it, but that we live it. We put it into action, Lord. And I pray for all these men here. I pray for the ladies downstairs that we're all being ministered to. We're all being trained. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We praise you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.